So yeah, my name is Jacob Kiri Moreland and I'm visiting Tucson for my first time. I'm very excited to be here at the first International Seed Library Forum. Uh, I'm very active in Canada with the Toronto Seed Library and in my community uh, with the Aurelia Seed Library where I live outside on a small farm north of Toronto. And recently I've been active in the Seed Library Commons, which is our new nonprofit, with the goal of promoting literacy, so teaching people how to grow and save seeds, as well as networking and supporting the Seed Library movement and the global movement for seed freedom, and in particular the promotion of peas and lovage and solidarity. Solidarity, of course, for me means ecological and social unity. So it's recognizing that we it's important to stand with each other but also to stand with the earth. And in many ways today, it's nearly impossible to do one without the other. Um, and often when we're kind of only just standing with each other and we're forgetting to stand with the trees and to stand in the soil, then we're actually undermining ourselves and our collective future and, and uh, the soil which sustains us. So yeah, I'm excited for my last day here. I have to rush back home for planting. It's springtime and I have a lot of seeds to plant, too many seeds to plant, as is the case for a lot of seed savers we're talking about it. Those uh, who are into saving seeds often end up with more seeds than they could possibly ever grow. And then somebody said earlier, there's only two things you can do with seeds and that's plant them and share them. I guess you can store them as well and or eat them. <laughs> As soon as you start getting into seeds, you start realizing that you know most of the food that you eat is seeds, or it's like actually seeds that you're eating. I was born in Toronto, and we had an overflowing balcony garden, and my dad was kind of, I guess, some kind of pioneer in the urban agriculture movement there in the city, and impressed and inspired all of his neighbors to, to attempt the same. And I don't remember this, but they tell us that my brothers and I were very fascinated with the Scarlet Runner bean, and we used to call it a Halloween bean. It was purple and black and we would harvest the bean around Halloween and it would be these huge beans and we would grow these scarlet runners on the window on the balcony and they would be attracting hummingbirds and, and so those are some beans that I love to plant at home and save and share with people just because uh, you know the idea that they're not only like beautiful red flowers, scarlet red and they grew on these big tall poles and we'd build these bean teepees and the kids like to play in them and we have a few teepees set up in the garden and then the hummingbirds they dart back and forth between and it's just like uh it, it adds to the magic the whole you know the uh <laughs> you know the mystical realm that is the garden and, and uh about almost seven years ago in 2009 i went to a seed exchange a seedy saturday and I'm not sure how many or if you have them down here in the States, but in Canada, they're kind of our, our go-to gardening fairs in the winter. And they were initiated in the early 90s, I think, on the West Coast in BC. And they kind of just spread like wildflowers, as they say. And now there's probably over 100 or so CD Saturdays that happen in February and March and April and into May, um, kind of in the winter and the spring. And it's a big gardening fair. All seed savers come and there's an exchange table and there's local seed farmers who have their seeds on display and at this time there was one CD Saturday in Toronto in, in late February and I went into this big, it was like a community barn, it was an old um, uh, transit stop where they had a barn, they fixed up all the, the streetcars and they converted it into this community center called Witchwood Barns and there's now a, it's now kind of a community food center where they have greenhouses and community kitchens and kind of a, a world 
ethnic gardens of representing all the different countries and people in the neighborhood and all their different plants that they're growing. And it's a farmer's market. And then on this day, they had a CD Saturday. So there was literally like 100 vendors set up. And we were like bees in a hive and buzzing around. And I was like shuffling from one station to another, grabbing all the flyers and seeing all the purple carrots and purple beans and purple everything. And I was just so incredibly inspired that the next day um, I emptied out my bag on the floor and went through all the seeds and all the flyers and I found this one flyer from the Toronto Community Garden Network. At this time I was just starting to study uh, sociology and philosophy at the University of Toronto. Um, and I was really enamored with this idea of networks and uh, also known as community or systems and you know, there's many different words for it but essentially it's about connections and relationships. And so I started kind of an intensive self-reflection of my own network and my own community and all my relations and seeing how all these interactions I have, even the micro interactions, like the, not just with people, but with the environment and with the culture. And that's kind of, you know, the culture is all that we're surrounded by and it's kind of determines everything about us in a sense. Um, and so I started, um, I got really excited about this Toronto Community Garden Network because it was kind of a, a community of communities and so I had to initiate a community garden in my community to plant all these beautiful seeds that I had gathered. And so I created a Facebook group and I, an email address, Aurelia Community Gardens with an S on the end, plural, being ambitious. And Then I wrote a letter to the newspaper and within a week I had all these people coming out of the woods who wanted to start a garden. There were people who had had the idea for years and they just didn't know where to start or didn't have the you know, the ability or the ambition to start. And, and so I was basically learning all I could from this amazing ecosystem of organizations in Toronto where there's hundreds of organizations and thousands of people from all around the world doing amazing food and gardening projects. And, and then I was bringing that, I was kind of like a bridge, bringing that to my smaller community and then introducing these ideas. And a lot of people there in my community already had these ideas. It just, we just weren't connected with one another and we didn't know that each other existed. And then the garden kind of provided a platform and a space for that. So within two weeks, we started getting emails, people offering land and space and interest. And within three weeks, we had our first Gardeners Anonymous meeting. Um, Hi, my name's Ted and I'm a gardener. Hi, Ted. And everybody goes around the circle and introduces themselves and, and says why they're there and, and kind of acknowledges their addiction or obsession with gardening and growing food. And, everybody's coming from a different angle and at that point I really got to see kind of the diversity and the you know that the significance of what we were doing there when you have people like kids you know as young as two or three and like people 83 years old and everybody in between doctors and lawyers and, and teachers and you know people from all professions and backgrounds all gathering together in the space I'd never really seen that before like I've never really seen a space that brought together all those people focused on an action that's so positive and necessary. Growing up, especially through high school, I was really concerned about environmental issues like climate change. I was like, this is, this is pretty scary stuff. And there doesn't seem to be any action from our leaders. In fact, they're moving backwards and the problem is getting worse and they're denying it and they're um, you know, aggravating the problems and then they're, they're putting the blame on somebody else when we all know, especially here in North America, that we're kind of at the forefront of you know, consumption and, and our entire economy depends on it, the extraction of labor and resources and, and life essentially from the earth so we can satiate our endless demand for consumption and material consumption that doesn't even really satisfy us or our core needs or, or what it means to be human. So I was getting kind of anxious. 
I was like, you got to stop that and stop pipelines and stop, 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 stop and stop driving and stop eating meat. And, and I was getting a lot of pushback from people. These people were, uh, you know, they were kind of habitualized. You know, they had developed these cultures that were so, you know, the, the infrastructure was so strong that it was so hard to get out because to, to get out would be to deny your very existence and your identity in your community and it's very alienating and, and isolating to, to have to do that um, especially when the social forces are so powerful like encouraging people to conform so when I learned about community gardening I found kind of a, a life affirming approach and, and I didn't have to tell people to stop doing something I could just do something and then offer the opportunity to other people to do that as well and I learned that I didn't even have to con convince people to do it people wanted to do it they just didn't know how or didn't know that they were allowed to do it, or didn't know when to do it. You know, just basic questions. And having grown up on the far on a farm, we moved to a farm when I was three, and we had a big garden in the back, and I hated gardening. Because, um, <laughs> you know, you have to do all the hard work, and you don't really get to see the whole process or understand why you're doing it, necessarily, when you're, like, four years old, and you're weeding and picking potato beetles, and it's in the hot sun. And, um, but then when you get a little older and you appreciate the cycle and you, you start to look forward to it. So I, I estimated that there may be 1% of my community of Aurelia who might be interested in joining in this community garden initiative. And there's 30,000 people in the community, so that's about 300 people. And if we could build a community of 300 people and you know unite in collective action, then we could do amazing things. And now seven years later, we have about 600 people on a newsletter, an email newsletter, and 500 in a Facebook group. And, I estimate I've gotten gotten dirty with literally over a thousand people in the community, and so there's like uh, most people in the community now at least know that there's a community garden, and in fact they know that there's there's many community gardens. But few people know that there's actually upwards of 20 community gardens now in the city, and and our community garden collective tends to all these gardens. But every winter it always comes back to the seed, and the more people um, become aware of local food and. And the importance of that, they start peeling back the layers of the onion. And once you get right down into the center, it's the seed. The, for me, the community garden was always the intersecting point of the social system, the ecosystem, and the solar system. Literally, physically, energy from every corner of the universe is you know, you know, intersecting and animating life as we know it. And it's incredibly powerful and beautiful. And <laughs> just to, to be in that space and then of course the recognition of that interconnection is what I would describe as love and when you you meditate on that and you can feel that it's literally like a biochemical reaction in our brains that then floods our bodies with endorphins and positive energy which then we can you know, radiate outwards if we if we understand that and are able to kind of control that and understand that's revolutionary love and, and you know these historic leaders throughout throughout our societies across every society they, they shared that that same you know revolutionary love and and so the community garden for me is kind of a portal it's kind of like a demonstration of that and so the garden it, it outlasts any of us like I don't have to be there and the garden is doing that work it's providing that because it's it's where all that life connects the birds and the bees and the butterflies and all these things that are threatened that some people have never seen a monarch butterfly before. And when we plant milkweeds in the garden and th we tell them that the monarch will only lay their eggs on the milkweed, and then they see a monarch fluttering around the sky, and it just kind of like floats down and it like lands 
<laughs> right on that plant. They're like, wow, that's, they weren't kidding, you know? And so now we have uh, the most requested seed in our Toronto seed library has been the milkweed. And so a lot of people think that the seeds are just for food. They don't realize necessarily that seeds are for everything. I mean, seeds represent not just food, but medicine and, you know, you know, spirituality and food and habitat for all life forms. It could be energy, building supplies, our clothing, um, and the list goes on, really. And so it's, um, you know, it's very exciting to think of the potential of seed, and just one seed, in fact, when you plant that one seed and it grows exponentially and then you have all these seeds to share. And so that's kind of the economy of seed, the sea seed economy, or what we call current seed. And so we're trying to, our seed capital. So I have initiated a, what I call a seed bank in our community gardens and it really after the first year, because people were giving us all these seeds. And one time people, somebody showed up and they said a, um, a corner store went, went under and they had a seed rack and they had all these seeds that they, they couldn't sell. And so they brought us like a nice little box of seeds. I was like, wow. I didn't think too much about it at the time, but we, we brought those seeds out in the community and shared them around to people, and, and I called it the really seed bank, and then I, it ended up in a bin in my bedroom for years, and then once or twice a year I'd bring it out to an event or a seedy Saturday. And uh, we just celebrated our fifth annual seedy Saturday in really, and now in Toronto there's probably upwards of 10 seedy Saturdays that happen all around the city, and we have an organizing group to make sure that we don't have them on the same day so that the seed farmers can can get around to the different events, and then into April and May, our Toronto Seed Library, we do kind of beginner workshops at public libraries almost every weekend. Almost every day we're going around the city to different community events with our traveling branch of our seed library. And we have, I was just checking our email today and there's like three branch requests, from different organizations to start a branch, one at the Toronto Salsa Dance, <laughs> weekly dance party. They wanted to have a little branch set up there. So, and they asked us what the next steps were. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of funny. So we've, um, when we started the seed library in Aurelia, we got a call from the manager of the Metro, which is a major grocery chain in Ontario and Quebec. And, and they said that every year they just get an order from Burpee, which is a big seed company that has display racks. And they say that the seeds are no longer good to sell and discharge with them. And so that basically means just to throw them out. Sometimes they send them back to the warehouse or the retailer, but often they just throw them right in the trash. And so. They said, we just heard about your seed library opening in the newspaper and we thought that maybe we should give the seeds to you guys. And so I went down there the next day and um, I walked right into the grocery store and I saw a woman kind of looking around the racks and I whispered to her, just wait a second. And then the next minute I was literally wheeling this whole rack of seeds out the front door because they were literally going to throw like a thousand packs just into the trash because they had outlived their commercial viability. And in fact, they hadn't yet lived out even their commercial viability. But the seeds, as we know, some of them can live for thousands of years um, and still be viable and so this idea that we're going to be throwing out seeds even if some of them you know some of them may be hybrid seeds or not necessarily certified organic whatever the certification process is um, the idea that we're going to be throwing these out when there's all these people in the community that have a need for seed that can't afford to buy it don't know anything about it don't want to take the risk of dropping three or four bucks on a little pack that may not grow or that they may not know how to grow and so we've been able to redirect this huge waste stream in society. And you, then you start to think about all that, the story of each of those seeds. I mean, even if they're a hybrid seed, somebody's in the field, right? Like doing that process, these are human beings and investing their labor and their, their energy. 
into that and to just you know package it and label it and ship it and display it and then to throw it out and then have them piling up on these landfills in our community the landfills on the on a beautiful lake on the side of a lake and we only have a limited capacity left and to think that we're going to be throwing out seed like life forms that have such incredible potential in that was just kind of shocking so I realized that if this is happening in one metro store then what about the others and there's about 60 in Ontario and so I put a social media call out and save the seeds and people went in communities all over and in some places they're about an hour late they had just literally thrown them into the dumpsters and and uh, others they they gave us big bags like garbage bags full of seeds and and so we were able to share like free seeds with anybody who was requesting it and then start doing bulk orders for community gardens and school gardens some of whom have just lost their funding because you know how we're in some kind of debt crisis and we don't seem to have enough money to do any things that we need to do yet we have you know the same amount of uh, labor and ideas and energy and then we've more than we've ever had yet we seem to have a lesser and lesser ability to actually service the needs and address the major problems facing our species this century so when we discovered this waste stream the first year in the Toronto Seed Library we had one company donate about 1500 packs and this was before they were expired and this was their hermetically sealed all certified organic heirloom and this was from Seeds of Change which is uh, quite a reputable company that's been around for a long time then. The next year they donated 75,000 packs of seeds and this is, these were seeds that had just gone expired quote unquote that have outlived their commercial viability uh, but they're still viable and so we had 75,000 packs which looked like a boxes that would fill up half this van and um, so from there we were you know starting we we're doing inter-seed seed exchanges and s helping seed libraries start up all across the province and, and we're able to you know continue with the bulk orders for these gardens that are rapidly expanding now that they have that you know the seeds and they don't have to invest in that and they now have a resource to, to learn how to grow and save the seeds and we were actively networking this ecosystem by kind of being a symbiotic species like a pollinator that can that can literally work with all these groups because we don't necessarily have our own gardens per se but we support all gardens in the city and, and in every city because every garden needs a seed and, and there's always more seeds um, to be saved or grown in the gardens and, and a lot of people haven't really got that far yet into their their whole quest to really know the power of that seed and so we get all these stories like you know when your lettuce bolts it's done and you gotta rip it out and compost it or something and, and I was like well wait a second you know you just wait another week or two and you let it complete its life cycle you can actually take that lettuce like a wand and I get the kids to go around the garden and just start like waving the wand around and then we have you know rogue lettuce and or feral lettuce that's just popping up everywhere and that's our new weed and um, and then of course some people's weeds are in other people's food and so don't get me started on that then the next year our third season we got a call um, from a friend and his friend his friend's friend um, owns like a multi-million dollar packaging distribution company and he just acquired another company that went bankrupt and this was an import distribution company that had imported about 250,000 packs of seeds um, from another company into Canada and the company went bankrupt shortly after importing the seeds before they could distribute the seeds so these seeds are sitting stranded in a warehouse in a suburb of Toronto and the owner, he's not a seed saver or a gardener, but he, so he puts it out to his network, all of his friends and family and community, like, well, I got all these seeds, like, tons and tons of seeds, literally four tons of seeds, like, packaged, ready to go, 
And over the year, he was able to distribute about 5,000 different community garden groups, but then he still had about 245,000 left. So we were able to arrange a shipment to get a tra transport truck, he has a distribution company, to ship it to our partner at the Daily Bread Food Bank, which is the largest food bank, I think, in Canada, definitely the largest in the greater Toronto area in May. It's a food bank distribution center that supplies about 200 food programs across the whole city. And so they have a warehouse and loading docks. And so we were able to get this whole transport truck full of seeds that were going to be otherwise thrown out. This guy was going to have to pay good money to throw it out. Instead, he happily arranged for a truck to deliver it. We had about 50 volunteers stored them into little boxes ready to go out into the community. And then we've been able to get free seeds along the shelves with the, the food that's going into the food banks, which as we know is not necessarily the most nutritious, definitely not local or organic. Um, and so it's not just about getting people the seeds, but also like building that community and then giving them support so that they have the, you know, the necessary conditions to grow those seeds for food first if they need it, but then also if they want and they can to save the seeds so that they can continue that over and over again. And so that's been a really exciting development and, and kind of shifting the whole culture from food banks. And in Canada, there's a big movement towards food centers, which are more multidimensional uh, community food centers, which are, is a space for celebration and where the whole community comes and, and grows, shares, cooks, and advocates for healthy food, rather than just having like a, a food bank in a dungy basement where people line up for craft dinner and peanut butter, um, if they're lucky. Um, where instead the whole community can come and grow together. And so it's, it's not about, you know, just handouts for the poor. It's, it's moving away from the charity model to what some people call the solidarity and what I would call the solidarity model. Um, and so there's a number of food centers popping up and there's thousands of food banks in the country. And if you can imagine each one of them transforming into these food centers that are not, you know, an afterthought, but are actually like a centerpieces of our community where people want to come and visit and like be an attraction where you know, travelers will come and you'll go to the food center first I mean, because that's where you're going to get the highest quality food you're going to hear the stories you're going to actually get to to learn something and it's not just any town usa where you stop by on the highway off to your walmart or your super walmart or whatever and get the same <laughs> junk food that nobody really likes in the first place yeah, so it, it always ends up coming back to the seed because the seed is central within the, the food and agriculture system, which is central to our civilization. And, and so it's exciting to see um, and to witness people's awakening through the seed. And every time, basically, we're just trying to put the seeds back in the hands of the people and then get the people's hands back in the soil. And, uh, and the more we do that, the you know, the the more peaceful our communities and the more nourished we are and happier really it's about happiness and goodness and and love and yeah so i should i should have mentioned our first major event with the toronto seed library was a seed in at toronto cd hall and we invited all of our cd counselors and pretty much every town and city has a cd hall and they're great venues for sharing seeds and uh, they're public most of them i think are public spaces so you don't have to have a permit to to visit and you can just go in and sit down and start sharing seeds and in toronto city hall they were pretty uncomfortable with us mostly because of all the hugging that was happening during the seed in so you may want to consider that um, <laughs> uh, but yeah so i thought i think it would be cool if we were to arrange kind of like a day where everybody goes into their cd hall and starts sharing seeds and then calls upon their municipal governments and their local governments to kind of create a plan 
for you know local food sovereignty that is it's not just about feeding poor people or you know the charity but it's about actually you know transforming our economy and transforming our politics one that is you know based in democracy have you heard of this it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's where like people get together and make decisions that affect them um, everybody's equal everybody has a vote a voice um, so yeah I think that would be cool to experiment what that might be like where people actually have a say in the decisions that impact them um, not that the oligarchy is you know failing us uh, but it is I mean <laughs> um, so yeah I think uh, democracy would be a good way to go and food democracy is a, is a good place to start I would advocate it as a strategic priority because when you know millions of people don't have food to eat we don't really want to talk about things like banking reform or ending corporate personhood or electoral reform or you know climate change or these big huge issues um, or energy or you know policy when they don't even have food like how are you supposed to think or you know engage in any of these issues if you don't even if you're stomach's grumbling especially when we have like a childhood obesity epidemic and the children are going to school hungry it seems like a no-brainer that we should start with school gardens and school kitchens and getting healthy food to kids first so that at least when they're adults and they're fully grown then they'll have an you know they won't be you know and their bodies will be deprived of what they need so yeah and that's kids gardening is probably the one of the most cutest things growing so can't imagine much more so we're working on a garden at every school and so there's a campaign imagine a garden at every school and people share on Facebook like these little images like every school should have a garden because it's kind of important kind of thing and if I think like if every person who just shared that image just like called their school or their teacher or walked in or their like principal or their school trustee or you talk to the board or you talk to the community um, and you just or you just go to the school and just start gardening <laughs> like if everybody did that then there would literally be a garden in every school and we could we wouldn't have to share these images online because we would have these images every day in our lives and everybody would see it and, and see the beauty of it and be behind it and the community would rally instantly like who's, who wouldn't rally behind that I mean even your it's not a left or a right issue it's like a, a human issue and everybody eats <laughs> that's what's so beautiful about it right